Hi everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Impactful Authenticity Podcast. My name is Lucy, and I've got a slightly different flavor on things today. So I'd like to welcome you all to our first book club. Now, for me, there's nothing better than finding a book that you can't put down, hurling up with a cup of tea or a glass of wine, or even just being kind of squashed on the underground as you um, go on your commute to work. But just that feeling of being carried away in someone else's world, or just the excitement of being able to put into practice some helpful tips or tricks that you may have learned through the book that you're reading. So today you'll hear about four different books that our first four guests of the podcast, Teresa Graham, Davy Cowpers, Tim Ershinger, and Rebecca Pope shared with me. And I asked each of them to tell me a little bit about a book that made an impact to them on their lives and why. And we got a really, really lovely mix of books. And I'm excited to let you hear their explanations of why they chose their their specific books. And we're actually going to kick things off first with Tim. And I asked him to share the name of the book and a brief synopsis. And here is what he said. One of my favorite books is a book by Adam Grant. Uh, and it's called Give and Take. Uh, some mm. of the people might have read it. And what I found so interesting, so Adam researched a bit, like who are the most successful and the least successful people in business? And, and there's basically you know, three types of approaching relationships, which is I am a taker, so I'll try to make advantage from our relationship whenever I can. There is the the, the givers, you know, who are basically always get exploited, the other way around. And then there is the matchers who, you know, if you give me something, I'll give you something back kind of idea. And what was really interesting um, is, and I don't know if I should spoil that actually, here, but you know, <laughs> is, um, it is, is really interesting that the most and the least successful people in business or in, in life generally, really, are both the givers. Oh. So it's not the takers that are most successful, the, the most successful or the least successful, it's both the givers. So, so the big question is, this, why are givers either super successful or the least successful? What what is the difference? Mm. And this is what is explored in the book, and and it is really interesting. I can I can only um, recommend that obviously, um, and and you know it's it's just helping me personally also reflect on on certain of the patterns and you know and and kind of re- reinforcing reconfirming some of the things that I've tried to do as a giver too, and you know also help me reflect on well is is which which are the behaviors or, or tendencies that you should probably stop at because otherwise you, you basically just get exploited and and, yeah. and so in that sense it was it was a really good book I think interesting and you've already touched a little bit I guess on kind of has it changed how you are but I'm curious if it's also I guess when you're looking for people to join a team or to join your company and other things has it changed kind of how you think about the sorts of people you kind of want around you to help kind of drive success in whatever project or initiative, et cetera, you're working on? Uh, it's, it, it's well, probably, at least for me, I've not figured it out how, how to like meaningfully include that in, a, in an interview kind of conversation, but, you know, I'm trying to figure out a little bit, are these guys givers as well? And, and you know, what, what, what kind of givers? Because again, there's the one little tweak that you have to make, otherwise you'll end up in the, in the bottom uh, part, basically. So, We've, we've tried that. I've tried that. And, and I think to an extent it works. And, and then again, on, on, on the other side, I think it's, it's useful in any, you know, with clients, with my wife, probably even, you know, with friends, with whoever. So as so I think, um, and it's, it's not necessarily needed that you only have givers around yourself, right? Mm. And that's, that's, that's not necessarily the case, but there's, 
but there's a a um certainly one part of the book that also says you know uh, surround yourself with positive people or people that give you energy because mm-hmm. otherwise you know obviously it's more energy draining and that that's not helpful yeah no no i completely understand that part it, it's taken me a long time to kind of recognize the importance of, of trying to slowly kind of remove people from your kind of vicinity who are not going to fill you with um, energy and positivity. So um, definitely, I can feel the struggle on that one. Uh, definitely super curious about this because I thought, oh, this is going to be obvious. It'll be those people who have got a little bit of both that are going to be the ones that really succeed. That's probably where I would put myself. So I'm going to have to definitely get this book to <laughs> to sort of shift and figure out how it is I can uh, be more of a giver than a little bit of a give and taker. So we'll see. Thanks so much, Tim. Really appreciate that book review. And thanks so much. In case you didn't get a chance to take notes, The book that Tim spoke about is Give and Take by Adam Grant. Now, after we wrapped up, I actually got another couple of spoilers from Tim on the book, but I won't give those away. But it's certainly one I would recommend to buy, get on your Kindle, however you like to listen to or read your books. Um, And next, we're going to share the chat I had with Rebecca. And this book, I'm still actually thinking about a couple of months after we initially recorded it. So, I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Over to Rebecca. It's by Professor Susan Greenfield, um, mm. and it is called A Tour of the Human Brain. Wow. And, yeah, I know. Thank you so much. Um, and I read this midway through my art A-levels because um, I was doing philosophy and uh, the kind of concept of colour, consciousness, you know, um, personal identity, um, reality kind of came into these wonderful discussions at A-level. And I said, like, oh, I'll go read a little bit more about that. And I went into popular science books and I found this book and I found this thing called neuroscience. And I was like, oh, why has no one ever told me about this? <laughs> this is epic. I, it was magical for me because it is our brains are the most incredible machines we will ever own and know about in the galaxy and in the universe. Yeah. You know, it is just, you know, if you think about it, it does 10 to the, oh God, no, no. I think it's 10 to the 13 logical bits of information per second. Yeah. And it does that on less than a single light bulb of energy. Yeah. And that's more powerful, you know, than a supercomputer. So, it's just incredible and it gives us what we live in whatever we see as our reality and I just I was fascinated and that sent me off into a new direction which I went to see my headmaster I was like oh sir I've done the wrong subjects something called neuroscience and I'm doing arts and he was like Rebecca what are you doing you can't change your a-levels mid to a-levels I was like typical Bex well why not though (laughs) and he didn't he didn't let me I, which is fine I, I did my original A-levels and then my gap year my gap year I love saying that I didn't because <laughs> it reminds me did you ever watch that gap year thing no you didn't <laughs> no oh no <laughs> so many people like she, she's a bit uh, why did she say it like that anyway there was a thing on, on tv that was a bit of a mickey take of, of people that go on gap yards oh okay when I say it, I always <laughs> do that Anyway, yes, so I'm really that I've brought that up. Anyway, in my gap year, I went and did biology and chemistry so that I could go and do um, wow. psychology and neuroscience. So, yeah, and then went on to do, um, which was some of the best years of my life, actually, um, 
my PhD in clinical neuroscience in brain surgery at Queen Square at UCL. Yeah. Um, I met amazing families and individuals going through epilepsy surgery and brain cancer surgery and and um, stroke survivors and you know had the privilege of spending four years doing that and and doing neuroimaging and and so that was the book I can I can literally go back and and even feel what it was like when I was reading it. Wow that's amazing absolutely and I've got to say the piss take on the gap here it doesn't sound like this is any way one of those like I'm going to go off and find myself traveling around the world you know <laughs> drinking too much and relaxing on a beach and going to half moon parties etc so this is a very different type of gap year Rebecca to most people I know who went and took one so um very magical and thoughtful I- I'm assuming is it a pretty intense book to read no it's really accessible honestly oh, right so it's really accessible and it just kind of went through you know what is the but it, it leaves you with these questions about you know what is between your ears and and why are you who you are and how do you perceive color when color is a perception it's not an objective thing in the world uh, and you know I'm still reading stuff like that now to my yeah. wife um is a philosopher well she's now an occupational therapist uh, due to her own experiences but um she was doing philosophy and I was doing neuroscience and psychology and we would have We've never actually, this is a true story, we've never actually had a proper fight. Um, oh. friends. But the one, the one true argument we've ever had was we were both at university and we lived together. And um, she, she very kindly served, served up some food. And I was like, but you know that that plate isn't actually red, don't you? And she was like, no, 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 no. And we got into this massive, like, Immanuel Kant da, 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 yeah. discussion. Wow. And, uh, I was like, no, it's your perception of colour. It's the hue. It's the wavelength that hits your rods and your cones. And then you perceive it through your visual cortex, etc. And you know it's red because you've learned that's the colour. And we went into this thing. And then <laughs> like, this, like, that one <laughs> was like, okay. And she just picked the plate up and threw it at me. But in a good oh. way. Not in like a yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was like, why did you move? I went, because you're throwing the plate at me. And she was like, well, therefore it exists. And I was like, it's pretty. Wow. And um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's our one and only argument. But um, I think Emma Emma had a, a very good logic there. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I'm I'm really obsessed with colour at the minute because my little boy, August, is just turned two. But this is the thing, we're trying to learn colour and I've avoided it for a while because I'm like, it's so, I feel like it's a really difficult thing. Like it's quite easy if it's just like, you know, an object to kind of pick it up and do it. But with the colours, because there's so many different shades to the same colour and exactly that, it's like, well, this is what I see as red and this is what I'm telling you is red. So uh, he's still got no concept. He generally just says everything is black or purple. But anyway, we're coming in on practising and we're trying to do it with, um, a lovely person I worked with, Susan, gave me some little stickers when we were last at a face-to-face meeting that were yellow, red, blue and green circles. And so we use these st- colour stickers to find things around the house and kind of place them on. But I, for ages, I was like, I don't know if he's colourblind. Are the, is it right? Why is he kind of thinking these things are the same colour? And I don't know, maybe he is. But yeah, I'm just kind of really fascinated by colour. So I will definitely now go and give this book a little um a little read and and see and hopefully I won't be throwing plates around the kitchen anytime soon no, I'm not in a kind of like Emma's wonderful please don't get the wrong <laughs> um, no 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 so. it sounded like you were having some very um 
very deep and meaningful conversations at university, which is not a reflection <laughs> of what seemed to happen at mine. But anyway, I'm super pleased. But thank you so much for the book recommendation, Rebecca. So if you're looking for a book that's going to teach you a lot and potentially have you questioning many things, then The Human Brain, A Guided Tour by Professor Susan Greenfield was the book that Rebecca spoke about. Now, we're going to take a slightly different twist to things as we go to the next book and listen to Teresa speaking about a book that stuck with her since her childhood. So I'm going to pick actually a series of books, which I'm pretty sure most people will be familiar with. And it's actually the Little House on the Prairie series from Laura Ingalls Wilder. And the reason that I, I, I called this one out is... Um, when I was a little kid, we actually lived in a very rural area. Um, there was really no, there's one family around that had kids of my age and they lived several miles away. And so in a lot of ways, my childhood was kind of lonely. And the one thing I learned to do is love to read. And so my, my mom was not big on buying toys, but she never denied me a book. (laughs) And so, um, I just loved the Little House on a pra- on the Prairie series because it you know it reminded me a little bit of where I was growing up. It was about this family who was very much about making their own way in the world and 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 sort of the tough things that happened. And um, you know, it also was a TV series, so that was great. Um, but there there was just something about always kind of having the next book to read and the Ooh. next thing in the series and kind of watching her her grow up and mature. And so. Um, it, it's one of the things that taught me to really love reading and that stuck with me really pretty much my entire life. Yeah. Um, and it helped me feel like I had a friend my own age back when uh, back when I was living on my own sort of little house in, in the middle of Western Massachusetts without too many people around. Uh, I'm curious, is it a really um, kind of large series of books? It's not a huge series of books, but um, I would reread them constantly. Um, and you know, the, the stories were just, you know, back in the day, just really engaging about, you know, a a family that, you know, left their house in, in the big woods, um, and, and took a wagon, you know, a, a covered wagon into, um, in, into sort of unsettled land and found a way to, to make a living. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, there, there was something about that, that journey and that determination and sort of what it took for that family to do that. Um, and so many families that were like them that, that, that made, that made those journeys um, and how they really just stuck together. And uh, like, like many of you out there, my parents were divorced. And so, you know, that, that idea of a family that leaned on each other and was together and, um, worked with you know worked with each other to find a better life like that was just something that was a little outside of my scope of of knowledge um and it was it was just kind of yeah kind of cool to see and kind of imagine imagine what that might be like wow that's great I haven't read the books I know of the series which I don't think I've watched which is really bad (laughs) so even better because I love reading as well so I'm always um curious to to read different stories and find some different types of meaning from it. So that's super helpful. Big thanks to Teresa for sharing with us The Little House on the Prairie by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And there's something really heartwarming about going back and reading books you loved as a child. 
being taken down that walk on memory lane about what it was in that book, which just so inspired you or piqued your imagination at that time in your life. Well, the next book that Davy is going to talk about wasn't something that she read in childhood. It certainly was something she read during a really important milestone in her life, and it immediately made an impact. I hope you like it, and it hopefully it might make an impact for you. It's a little bit cheesy, maybe, Lucy, but it's one of the first self-help books that I read. <laughs> um, it's called Harmonic Wealth, The Secret oh. of Attracting the Life You Want. Wow. James Arthur Ray. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was actually the book that I read after my burnout period uh, when I lounged in the sun at the beach in Vancouver. I wanted to take steps in creating the life that I wanted. Um, the book is very North American, no offense, but there's always a difference in style there. However, <laughs> <laughs> there is definitely a key message that stuck with me. And that is that your life consists of five pillars that require a certain harmony that you can influence. Mm. And the five pillars are your finances, your relationship, your mental state, your physical state, and your spiritual state. Mm. And your finances talks about how much you want in your financial freedom account, meaning make sure you have enough money to cover the basics, like home, food, being able to provide and do fun things. Yeah. Be as debt-free as possible so you can make decisions easily and create the life that you want. And the relationships talks about whether you spend enough quality time with yourself, okay. whether you enjoy your own company, whether you treat yourself the way you want to, and what you do to make yourself feel joyous and fulfilled, which I think is a great point wow. of view. Yeah. To enjoy your company. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it talks about whether you make enough time for your dream partner and if you don't have a partner, how to find him or her. Ooh. Then your mental state asks you about how many books you read, seminars you attend, courses you take, podcasts you listen to. <laughs> uh, we can give you a new one. <laughs> exactly. And that is to invest in your number one asset, Lucy, and that is your marvelous mind. Yeah. And it talks about, are you the master of your own emotions or do they master you? It's a really good piece. Wow. And then the last two are your physical state and your spiritual state. And the physical state talks about what your dream weight is, your dream size, your dream body composition, how flexible you want to be. And it explains that how an inflexible body is a reflection of an inflexible mind. So make sure you work out, buy the things that you want if you can, and travel to the places that you wish to visit to enhance your physical state. Yeah. The last one, your spiritual state talks about finding what inspires you, finding the one-on-one -on -one connection with your creative source. Mm. And throughout my life, I recognized that after reading this book, I performed a regular check-in on those five pillars to evaluate how I'm doing on them and see where I need to make changes in order to be in harmony with myself and live my most authentic life. And one big change I made thanks to the book is actually moving back from Canada to the Netherlands after 10 years there because I felt out of balance in some pillars and mm. I knew that I only got them where I wanted to be when I was back in the Netherlands. So I did and it worked. Wow. Love it. 
Nothing is classed as cheesy on this podcast, so do not worry, Davy. If you want to find out more about the book that Davy talked about, it's Harmonic Wealth, The Secret of Attracting the Life You Want by James Arthur Ray. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's podcast. I hope you liked having a different style to the podcast today. Um, You'll be able to hear our book club episodes every five weeks and they'll reflect the books from the previous four guests. Have a great week and I look forward to speaking to you next Monday. Remember, authenticity is a journey and small steps, like reading a book, can make a big difference. Take care.